This is Desmond King, and you are listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Chris Avery with you on a Week 10 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the new Chargers Podcast Network. we got a short week as the Chargers head up to Oakland for Thursday Night Football. We'll get this week's opposing view courtesy of Miles Simmons of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. But first, NFL Network analyst Joe Thomas is going to break down Chargers-Raiders on Thursday night. All right, my first guest, an NFL Network analyst who you can see on NFL Game Day kickoff this Thursday, 3 p.m. Pacific, leading up to Chargers-Raiders on Thursday night football. The future Hall of Famer, Joe Thomas, joins me on Chargers Weekly. Follow Joe on Twitter, at JoeThomas73. Joe, it's a pleasure, my man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on. A division game that means a great deal to both teams here in Week 10, Joe. What jumps out to you, Chargers-Raiders? Well, I think they've got both really pretty effective running games. Um, you look at what uh, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon did last week and how that lifted the Chargers' offense. And uh, really, it looks like the Chargers are almost a new team now that Shane Steichen took over as the offensive coordinator. And uh, I think the key for them is always, to me, get the lead and allow your two studs on the edge to rush the passer. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, when we played against them, we were always so worried about getting behind because we knew how uh, Melvin Ingram could push the pocket and Joey Bosa could beat almost anybody in the league out there at tackle that. It was going to be a tough task if they were going to get the lead. And for them, when you've got two stud backs and you've got a good offense and great pass rush, it almost reminds me a little bit of the Indianapolis Colts from uh, yesteryear when Peyton Manning was there and they had uh, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. And if you got behind, game was over. And uh, a little bit of the same on the other side. While the Raiders don't have quite the same pass rush, they've got an uh, excellent running game with Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr is playing the best football of his career, completing a high percentage uh, amount of passes. And actually, his yards per completion is the highest in his career right now, throwing the ball in the middle of the field to their tight end. It's, uh, it's going to be a pretty good matchup. These are a couple teams that um, have been a little bit up and down early in the season, but are both going to try to make a run for the playoffs. And Joe, you said that the Chargers, they were unable to run the football. Under 40 rushing yards as a team for four straight games until last week, you get 159 yards. And I don't think it's a coincidence. You bring in a Pro Bowl left tackle, Russell Okun, things start changing a little bit. As someone who played that position better than anybody, just how valuable is Russell to this offense? Well, he's really valuable, not only just running the football, but the way he can protect the quarterback. You know, he's been a, a Pro Bowl left tackle in this game for a long time. He's going to help out with the communication up front, making sure that everybody on that offensive line is on the same page. They're seeing the same things together, keeping Phillip Rivers upright. Because we all know Phillip Rivers is no Deshaun Watson back there. He's not going <laughs> to fool anybody with his feet. Yeah. Um, he wants to stand there and, and stay protected. You know, getting him hit is a, a fatal sin. And so having all five of those guys on the same page is crucial. And, and then just the leadership that Russell brings being back in that lineup and the uh, the positive optimism that he's going to bring about, hey, guys, it's third and one. We got to get this, you know, run behind me. I think having that in the huddle, uh, sometimes it, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves. You know, Joe, Phillip will, he'll fool you every once in a while, though. He'll get you that first down, and uh, you don't know when it's coming. But you know what's funny about Phillip, Joe? I, I see a lot of similarities between you two because, listen, face of the franchise, you stay with the same team, never miss a start. You're both headed to Canton. What do you admire about Phillip and just the way he's handled his business over 17 years in the league? 
Well, you're right. Philip is, uh, he's not exactly super mobile, uh, but he isn't wheelchair bound. So you're right. He, he can still move around a little bit. He can walk <laughs> at a, a brisk walk. Um, but yeah, I, I really have always admired Philip's competitiveness and, you know, being a guy that for most of his career was in San Diego, now he's in LA. I think, you know, he was always a little bit overlooked for the things that he was doing uh, in the league. And I think it's a shame because he hasn't been able to win the Super Bowl. So he hasn't been considered, you know, one of the greats of this generation when really he's performed at an incredible level, you know, almost on the level of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Um, but his competitiveness has always been there. The drive has always been really impressive. And for me, I, I, when I look at the NFL and I think of guys who I would love to see win a Super Bowl who have not yet, uh, Philip is definitely, I would say, in the top one or two, if not number one in my book. You know, the the running game is going to be a, a big reason why this team has success. It took a while for Melvin Gordon, I think, to get into a rhythm. We finally saw it. A, a fellow Wisconsin guy, yeah, Derek Watt and Melvin Gordon. Joe, we got a couple of Wisconsin guys in, in the back yeah. of the Chargers. Uh, what did yeah, you see from Melvin that was different from maybe the previous three weeks? It looked like we, we saw the, the back-to-back Pro Bowler on Sunday. Yeah, you know, when I would work out in the offseason, I, I trained really hard. But when I would come back in training camp, those first three, four practices, they were super hard. I was really tired. I got really sore. I wasn't as physical as I needed to be. And it, it, it leads mentally, you're not on the level of sharpness that you need to be. And then the same thing happens when you go into that first preseason game and you got to ramp it up a level, your conditioning, your mental focus, your sharpness. And then the same thing happens with that first regular season game. And when you miss time, you miss training camp, you miss preseason, you miss some games in the regular season, you're just behind, just flat out physically and mentally, and you can't keep up and play at the level that you want to. Uh, and so I think it was just a matter of knocking that rust off. Rust is, you know, it's the old cliche way to just explain that basically you're not sharp. You're not in the game shape that you need to be. No matter what you do, you cannot replicate going out and being tackled by 300-pounders 20 times a game. And so I think it was just a matter of him knocking that rust off, coming back out, and now that he's built a little bit of confidence, I think you're going to see that Pro Bowl guy the rest of the season. Joe, let's switch it to defense. You alluded to it. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. Joey's playing a different game right now. Five and a half sacks, ten quarterback hits his last three games. I know you played him once in your career in 2016. What makes Joey so special and really difficult to defend as a tackle? Yeah, I think we played him a couple times, actually. Um, But I I would say for him, he is the most polished pass rusher. And I think you hear that a little bit, but when you watch his film, you watch the way he uses his hands and how he uses his hands and his hips and his feet in concert. It's very impressive. You don't see young guys being able to do the things that he can do where he can knock an offensive tackle hands down. He can flip his hips and he can also accelerate and lower his shoulder and get towards the quarterback all in one fast move. And I think that's what makes him special. You know, he's been training um, with a guy that I trained with, Joe Kim, uh, Larry Johnson, the great defensive line coach from Penn State and Ohio State. And so he's learned that technique that takes most guys, you know, a career to learn. He's been learning that since he was a kid. And it shows when you watch him on film because he is so tuned and finely polished when it comes to those pass rush moves that uh, he's going to give anybody problems because of the way he can use that technique, the way he uses his hands, and the way he never stops moving towards the quarterback. And it doesn't hurt to have a running mate like Melvin Ingram. And when you have those guys 
Joe, they were lining up on the same side last week. The way that Gus Bradley <laughs> has been able to use both Joey and Melvin, what kind of challenges does that pose for an offense? We always said that Melvin Ingram had a concrete head. You never wanted to have to run block that guy because he was going to sink his hips and sink his pads, and he was going to headbutt you. And honestly, I think the hardest I was ever hit on the football field was against Melvin Ingram, and it was a run play. He hit me so hard that both of my chin straps broke at the same time, and I actually had to play a few plays till we got off the field with a broken chin strap because he just hits you so hard, <laughs> and he brings that same power and that momentum into his bull rush. And when you have a guy that can push the pocket, he can press the pocket, he can make a quarterback feel uncomfortable and start getting that happy feet, it really feeds well into what Joey Bosa does well, which is beat guys around the edge, beat guys to the side. You know, Joey Bosa is a strong guy, but he's not going to pancake any offensive lineman. He's mostly going to work with the quickness and the finesse and beat you on an edge. And so having a guy like Melvin who can flush the quarterback and a guy like Joey who's going to clean beat his guy and be able to clean up a sack is, uh, is a tremendous duo that makes it difficult on any offensive line. Hey, Joe, your first two years in the league, Anthony Lynn was the running backs coach in Cleveland. What do you remember about working with Coach Lynn? And looking back, can you see why he's had success as a head coach in this league? No questions. Um, I've always loved Coach Lynn. I was so excited when he got his opportunity uh, for, with the Chargers. And he reminds me a little bit of kind of like a John Harbaugh, right? People talk about how great John Harbaugh is a coach because he's adaptable. He's tough, but he's fair. He's direct with his players. They trust him. They like playing for him. Those are all the same qualities um, that Coach Lynn has uh, in L.A. right now with the Chargers. And those are the things that I loved about him when he was the running back coach. He's very smart. He knows football. He could talk offense. He could talk defense to you. But he's direct, and he's mature. And I think guys love playing for him. And um, I'm really happy the success that he's had so far. And I just hope that the rest of the NFL can appreciate how great he is as a, as a coach. Joe, last thing for you. Last game in the black hole for the Chargers. I know you've played there before. What do you think is going to decide this one? I know the fans are going to be into it. A, a huge matchup in Week 10 that both teams got to have. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I think whoever wins the battle of the run game, honestly, it's, um, it's kind of funny to say that because, you know, the last, 10, 15 years in the NFL, it's all been about throwing the football, but you've seen this resurgence recently as uh, defensive backs get faster and quicker and secondary pass coverage concepts get better and the pass rush game gets more slanted in the favor of defensive linemen. You've seen this recent resurgence of the importance of having a solid run game to be able to support throwing the football down the field. We always said, you throw the football to score points and then you run to win the game. And I think this one is going to be uh, that exemplified because these teams both have great quarterbacks that need to throw the football down the field to score points. But in the end, it's the team that's going to run the ball most effectively that's going to win the game. Joe Thomas, NFL Network. Joe, you do awesome work at the network. Your podcast, Tomahawk, is awesome as well. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday Night Football, man. Thanks for spending some time. Yeah, Chris, I can't wait to see Chargers and uh, Raiders here tomorrow. I'm about to get on a plane here right now out of snowy Madison, Wisconsin, landing and hopefully sunny San Francisco to watch a great game tomorrow. There you go, man. Safe travels. Thanks, guys. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it say to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No oh fake. God. I hate fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. 
Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. All right, guys, to get this week's Opposing View, presented by Mercury Insurance, we bring in Miles Simmons from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Miles, no stranger to Southern California. How you doing, bud? Doing well, man. How are you? Good. We got a we got a treat on Thursday, man. A, a pair of teams that are playing pretty good ball at the same time. Let's just start with what the Raiders are saying about the Chargers coming to town for the last time in Oakland. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. It's funny, Derek Carr's been talking, and he said that, you know, when you lose two games to a division rival like they did last year, you really want to beat them this year. So this is, I think, really a critical game for the Raiders right now just because, look, they just won an important game to get themselves back at 500. And so now if you can win this one, you get yourself to 5-4, and four, and you've got a couple of games coming up against teams that have not been the best in the Cincinnati Bengals and then uh, the New York Jets, too. So if they can get to where if they can get to five and four now, then you know what these next two weeks then can become, and that really sets the Raiders up for a good run heading into December. Miles, last week looked like a back and forth game between the Raiders and the Detroit Lions. Give us the Cliff Notes version of what the Raiders did to get that win. Well, they were able to get the one stop when they needed to at the end of the game when Carl Joseph does a really good job of playing a backup tight end really in the back of the end zone. But before that, I mean, it came down to the two turnovers that Detroit had, I think. I mean, they they turned the ball over on their first drive. Stafford and J.D. McKissick mishandled uh, a handoff exchange. And then later on in that first half, I saw Darrell Worley make one of the better interceptions you'll ever see in the back of the end zone. So I think the Raiders have been able now to move the ball. You can see Josh Jacobs is playing really, really well, really being one of the best running backs in the league, not just as a rookie, but I think overall. Um, and because of that, the Raiders, if the Raiders can control the ball, control the clock, that's usually how they're going to win. What you don't necessarily expect to see is them win in the shootout, which is what they were able to do, but they're able to do it, I think, because of the turnovers. Yeah, Jacobs, 120 yards, a pair of touchdowns on the ground. But I think one of the things that, that really stands out to me with this team is they haven't been turning the football over. Derek Carr's been really good with the football, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. I almost feel like this game could really come down to turnovers. Whoever plays clean football may have the advantage. Yeah, I, you know, and that's the way I felt about the, it last week too, Chris. And that's why when you get that first turnover, uh, when Detroit goes down the field on their first drive, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is going to be pretty consequential. Because at the end of the day, I mean, last week those two teams were so evenly matched. I mean, the two pass defenses that are 30th and below, that kind of tells you the way that you can probably win that game. And so I think for this one too, coming up with the Chargers, 
if the Raiders can still do a good job of pass protecting Derek Carr, which is going to be a huge challenge based on the way uh, Ingram and Bosa are playing, and really you've still got some kind of unknowns with that Raiders offensive line too. But if the pass protection holds up and the Raiders play clean, then it's going to come down to one or two plays. And based on the fact that, look, these are two divisional opponents that really are familiar with each other, it's going to come down to that who makes the fewest mistakes. And I'd say you, you look at last year, Miles, the Chargers swept the, the series last year, but there's so many new players. Uh, Tyrell Williams uh, among them. What's Tyrell saying about playing his former team? Yeah, we got a chance to visit with him earlier, and he was saying that, you know, it will be uh, a little bit of a game where, you know, you get hyped up for a little bit. But at the same time, he's one of those guys that, of course, you know this, he's so even keel. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk to him, it's not like he ever gets too high or too low about it. But I think that, yeah, for sure, he's looking forward to going against his old team and going against some old teammates. He said he's been texting back and forth with guys, maybe a little bit less, actually, than what he usually does just because they're going against each other this week. And, of course, it's a short week, so you're probably in the playbook even more than you uh, than you would be in a normal you know Sunday situation. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how he fares against that defense, going up against DBs that he won against all the time in training camp, things like that. And, of course, by that same token, they know him. So yeah, exactly, any kind yeah. of tendencies, yeah, any kind of tendencies that you've got between those guys, it, it, it's going to be one where – both parties know each other. You know, it's like when big brother and little brother get together in the backyard. We'll see what happens there when they know each other so well. That's right. Yeah, it's almost a wash in terms of who has an advantage. I mean, everybody knows each other. A couple of other guys. We talked about Jacobs. We talked about Tyrell. Waller, the tight end, Darren Waller, he's had a very impressive year. And I look at the other side with Hunter Henry since coming back from injury last four games. He's played as well as any tight end in the league. Both these guys are really playing good football in 2019. Yeah, they definitely are. And, you know, it's interesting. Last week, uh, the way Detroit was playing, uh, the, the Raiders have termed this like they make you try to play left-handed. And, of course, Matt Patricia comes from the New England Patriots school of thought with Bill Belichick where they're always going to take away what you do best. And for the Raiders, by and large, that's been in the passing game going to Darren Waller. So Darren Waller only had, I think, a couple catches last week and that's largely because they try to take him away. So what does that mean? Well, you've got to ask the other players to step up. And they were able to do that in that victory. But I think when you talk about Darren Waller and what he's been able to overcome in terms of addiction issues and then coming to a, a new team you know, late last year, acclimating to everything, getting in the playbook, and the Raiders really bet a lot on him being able to come in and replace Jared Cook effectively. And so far, he's really been able to do that. So it's a credit to him. It's a credit to the coaching staff. And then Derek Carr for being able to get the ball to him in pretty much any kind of situation. This Oakland defense, Miles, what have you seen out of this group? I think every single game, they've given up at least 21 points outside of week one. Uh, but have you seen progress from a you know a pass rushing perspective? You know, last year they didn't really have much of a pass rush. Now you got the the rookie Farrell and um, you know Key. I think Key's injured, but uh, what have you seen out of the front four? Yeah, Key actually just broke his foot, so he's going to be out probably for the rest of the season. So that's kind of a blow to the the team because Key has maybe been turning a bit of a corner. He had uh, sacks and back to back ball games, so that's one thing that they're going to have to try to replace. Um, Vincent Mayo, I think, has made a real difference up front. He leads the team right now in sacks 
And then you also have somebody like Max Crosby, who was a little a later round draft pick, but has been really effective in playing the run and in playing the pass. He, he's done a good job, I think, of being that kind of effective pass rusher. I think that if in a perfect world, you would probably be getting a little bit more out of Cleveland Furl in terms of the pass rush. I uh, just hasn't necessarily been there. Part of that has been the fact that they're playing him both at end and then a lot of times they're playing him inside as a defensive tackle mm-hmm. in uh, third down pass rushing situations. So whenever that happens, you're, unless your name is Aaron Donald, you know, you're not necessarily going to get the most sacks, right? So I think from that perspective, they're asking a lot of Cleveland Pearl, and they're, they're pleased with him. But I think at the same time, yeah, you want to see a little bit more um, from that. But it, it, in the back end, too, sometimes when the Raiders aren't getting pressure, that's when they've been able to kind of get eaten alive. I mean, we saw it in Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers finished with a perfect passer rating for the first time ever in his career. I was kind of surprised by that based on how good he is as a quarterback. And then I think last week, too, when you see Matthew Stafford have a lot of time and they're able to overcome first and 20 twice on the same drive, you got to do a little bit better there, both on the front end and the back end. So, you know, rush and cover, they always say, goes hand in hand. They do. And if Phillip Rivers comes to town Thursday, you know John Gruden has great appreciation for the quarterback position. What has he said about Phillip coming to town for the last time? Oh, yeah. I think everybody in this organization has a lot of respect for Phillip. Not just Gruden and Derek Carr was talking to him, and he said, you know, make no mistake about it, that, that Phillip Rivers is one of the best to ever play the game. And, you know, he's so smart, and the way he is able to pick apart defenses, it, it's very clear um, why Phillip Rivers is so special. And he's still playing at such a high level. And, and when you have all the weapons that he has, in terms of guys like, you know, Melvin Gordon, Eckler, and all those guys, Keenan Allen, right? Hunter Henry, as you mentioned before, Chris, it, it, it really probably helps him out a lot. Um, so I think that they're really expecting to be challenged from that past defense perspective. I mean, especially because of the way that teams at times have been able to pick apart this past defense. They've not really been great defending against the past. So we'll see if they can improve and show that they really can do something good against the divisional opponent because it's a huge game for both these teams. Miles, I ask this every week. Give me a guy or two on the Raiders that may be a little unheralded or under the radar that you think has played well and, and may be able to affect this game in some form or fashion. Sure. I, one I would say would be Eric Harris defensively. I think he's played well at the safety position. And talking to different guys in the locker room, they really say that Eric Harris is a lot of things that might go unnoticed and might not, you know, be able, might not be able to see it in the box score. Um, but the way he plays and, you know, how hard he plays and how hard he hits and the way he can help all the communication in the back end as a safety, it really, really makes a difference. So I think that's one of these guys that you, know, you don't necessarily hear a lot about, but if he's on, then the defense can do a lot better. Um, offensively, I would probably say Foster Moreau, just because he's another one of these rookies. And the, the Raiders' rookie class has been contributing a lot. I think, you know, it's headlined by Josh Jacobs at this point. But from a, a lot of perspectives, you now got Trayvon Mullen, who's starting. Isaiah Johnson, another way to round draft pick, just came off of injured reserve. And he's probably at least going to play special teams, if not some cornerback, um, depending on the health of Daryl Worley. Uh, but Foster Moreau is a, I think, a fourth-round pick at tight end. He's caught a couple touchdown passes, had one last week. And what he does is, when a lot of teams are focusing on Darren Waller, this is a guy who can get open in the red zone and make the, the tough catch. And so I think 
if, you know, the Chargers are going to try to take away Darren Waller, which they should, then that's another guy who can really affect things and be a good big target in the red zone for the Raiders offensively. Miles, this rivalry is always fun. It's even more fun when both teams are good and have something to play for, Thursday being the case. What do you think is going to decide it? Uh, I think it might be what we were talking about earlier, the takeaways. You know, if one of these teams can really win that turnover battle, you know, by two, say, you know, two two to nothing or three to one, that probably is going to be the difference. Who, you know, avoids those mistakes that it just can't make. And that that's really the case on every Thursday night game. Because yeah. these things, I mean, they're, they, they're so tough for the players. You know, when you're trying to get ready for a game and usually you go Sunday to Sunday, when you go Sunday to Thursday, it almost cuts off half the week of recovery time. And that can be really critical for a lot of guys. So, you know, especially it's a good thing, I think, though, that you guys are just coming up from L.A. It's not like you're coming, you have to go halfway across the country. It's a quick flight. So guys aren't necessarily affected as much. Um, by that but it, it's whoever makes the fewest mistakes I think that both of these teams are in a position right now where look if you win this game you can go on a little bit of a run and see what happens um, down the road but right now if you can play mistake-free football that's probably the only way you're going to win on Thursday night and both teams coming off wins against NFC North opponents going to be fun on Thursday Miles Simmons, always appreciate you breaking it down, man. You do great work for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Appreciate it, Chris. Looking forward to seeing you too, man. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Miles Simmons and Joe Thomas for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to download and subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network. We're now on Spotify and SoundCloud. So wherever you listen to podcasts, the Chargers Podcast Network is there. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the game this Thursday. And until next time. I'm Chris Hayreek.